0: Hello, welcome to Light from Light. My name's Daniel and his name is... Brother Thomas Therese. Welcome back to uh, another episode. It's been a while since we had an episode on the on the channel, on the podcast. Our last episode was St. Ayrred, although we did try and record uh, an episode on St. Thomas Aquinas. but He came, he,
1: Dan came for you were here pretty much for the whole day weren't you and the the plan was to record two episodes and we didn't even record one because it was just like yeah it was bad we we spent like
0: (laughs) three or four hours trying to record an episode on saint thomas aquinas who obviously brother thomas loves because he's you know his name after him is his namesake uh, fellow Dominican, but we, I think we were both just so tired. We
1: were we? really tired, especially by the end. Uh, we were really, really tired. Yeah. I think it's also, you know, sometimes when you know a lot about a particular thing, um, knowing what to leave out is actually quite difficult because you can find something really interesting and then you can go into it and then, then you can think mm, actually this is probably a bit convoluted for a wider audience. It's going to be a bit niche, some of the things that I said. So I was like, mm, yeah, maybe this is... <laughs> Maybe this is a great. Uh, maybe we should uh, yeah. start again. It's so obvious. instead, so because St. Thomas is now, well, now we're in February, um, and the idea was that the episode was going to be brought out for his feast day on the 29th of January. Um, yeah, we decided yeah, yeah. that we would record a, com- a completely different episode. And we'll come back to St. Thomas, of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, he comes up
0: so all the time on so many different yeah. subjects is sort of weaved through and there's a lot a out there projects. on st
1: thomas from other platforms as well you know aquinas 101 the aquinas institute uh the Thomistic institute for example product placement yeah. product placement <laughs> yeah
0: um there's a lot there's and a my lot of product placement <laughs> blank mug Nothing i prefer the blank ones yeah But well, today's episode is actually on a, a saint who isn't as well known as Saint Thomas Aquinas. Uh, we're known in little pockets, but it's still a very important saint. I, well, I say that, but every saint is important. Mm-hmm. But this this particular mm-hmm. <laughs> this particular saint is, um, I think, of particular importance for our day and age. Um, we're we'll going to why that is, and that yes. saint is
1: Saint Josephine Paquita.
0: Yeah, the the wonderful uh, first saint of of Sudan. So, oh,
1: I didn't know that. Uh, that is interesting. The country
0: Uh. of Sudan. Um, I think little pockets might know of of this saint, Saint Josephine. Um, she she lived. uh, Well, she was born in the 19th century and lived into the 20th century. She actually died around like 19 mid mid 1940s. So, Mm. just around the the Second World War, which surprised me actually. I I I didn't realize she lived that. We used to be much better,
1: didn't we? At like a Making films and writing books about saints that were actually, like for example, books of saint stories that were read to children, for example, you know when they were at their mother's knee, um, mm-hmm. and making like films and stuff about saints and things. There are some saints that we know loads about, and I think it's partly because we publish and produce so much media about them and spread their devotion. Whereas actually, with a lot of saints, really great saints, especially in the modern era, people like mm-hmm. Blessed Colo Acutis and and Josephine Paquita and, and you know, blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, there are things out there and you've sort of heard about them, but not in the same sort of depth and detail that we've heard about some of those classic saints like mm. St. Saint Francis of Assisi, for example, who's had multiple films and multiple books written about his life, multiple historical records that are really in-depth and very detailed. I think, I think, think that is
0: i think well when i think of saint josephine Biquita, i think she is a, a saint really for this for this time like the prominence of 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 the fact that she came from uh being a slave to being a, a free woman and um the story that story we'll get yeah. into it a bit later but that story i think has particular um significance for our day and age when there's huge swathes of people who are in human trafficking and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. organ uh, harvesting and things like this like mm. I think her her story and the the prominence and the prevalence yeah. of that 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 we experience now in this day and age has, has that sort of link so I think her her um, her significance is more now than perhaps it was um, in in her life or shortly after her life but saying that she was very popular. Uh, around where she where she died, where she lived and, and died in the last part of her life. So, so she was born in in Sudan, but she she eventually ended up in in Italy, in around Venice sort of area. And she was very very popular in that area and in Italy as well. Um, so you might know of her if you're from Italian uh, Italian heritage mm. and Italian background. Um, you might know of her if you have links to maybe Africa, that part of Africa, part of Sudan itself. Um, you might have heard of her because Pope Francis has has really took it up in his pontificate to speak out about human trafficking, about modern day slavery. And he often um, cites her story. Mm. Um, and there's, there's little pockets of devotion you find in America, you find in Canada, parts like that. And here in London as well. Um, so I'm work. we're in Oxford here in London <laughs> yeah like with
1: massive uh, well we don't have anything that sort of shows that we're in Oxford I guess right
0: well we're in Oxford but I work in in London yeah and uh, I, I work in uh, for the diocese of Westminster well, I work in the parish that's in the diocese of Westminster and they have a, a, a caritas uh, initiative which is called Bakita House so you may have heard of Saint Josephine because of that, because of the great work that they do. But yeah, before we get onto any of that, then should we, should we speak a little bit about her early childhood and how how she grew up? So, there's, well, there's not much to say really about her early childhood. There's not really much that's well, much that much other that, than no. she was happy. Yeah, she, she had, had a happy though. childhood.
1: Uh, her father was the. Um, Brother of the chief of a tribe or something, wasn't it? And she she has an autobiography, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. She has an autobiography, but she didn't write it herself.
0: Yeah, um, that's right. So she writes this. Uh, it's written later in her Which is, uh, her sorry,
1: life. I just realized I said she has an autobiography, but she didn't write it herself. What I mean is, because uh, an autobiography, of course, is written by the person themselves.
0: It's a first-hand account. Yeah, because she can't account.
1: herself write. Um, she never learned to, to write. Is that right? I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, what, write or write? Right or right? Right. I think,
0: so when she, later in life, she, she was taught how to read and write, but she couldn't pick it up very well. So when uh, it came to her story and her account of her story, um, she, she dictated it to somebody else. Yeah, through a series of, of interviews that she that she did. Um, but yeah, so that her early childhood was very happy. So she tells in, in this autobiography of a very happy childhood, with her family very close with her family and siblings and cousins and and they yeah it's just a, a family full of joy and even at that point i think she was very marked by by this joy this joy of life but there were a couple of very traumatic experiences that she she had in this early childhood so as she was uh, she was out walking uh, one day she witnessed the abduction of um one i think it was one of her cousins so she mm. saw this like firsthand. One of her, her older sister, I think,
1: was abducted as well, wasn't she? Ah, okay. But yeah. I don't know whether she witnessed that. That this could have been a separate a separate incident. But yeah. I'm pretty sure her her older sister was abducted two years before she was.
0: Yeah, and that that was the second. it was, it was uh, her abduction.
1: <laughs> it was her abduction? Yeah, yeah.
0: So her abduction by by slave trade, uh, slave traders. So mm. they abducted her. They sold her into slavery. But this it had such a traumatic impact on her she actually forgot her name mm. so her name uh, from birth wasn't bakita that wasn't her childhood name or a family name but it was the name that in it was given to her as an arabic name meaning lucky which mm. is you know hugely I- ironic but this is their name they asked her her name was she couldn't remember and uh, she couldn't remember the date of her birth even right yeah um which maybe is a bit more common at that time but she couldn't remember much of her childhood and at the end of the her trauma, life as I well
1: i mean, when- when she's on her deathbed, she has flashbacks to some of the traumatic episodes that she endured in slavery. Like she starts talking about uh, how the, um, like the chains are too tight, the shackles are too tight, yeah. and things like that. At, towards the uh, yeah, at the very end of her life, when she's on her deathbed, so she's mm-hmm. still sort of having those flashbacks, those psychological and emotional traumas those physical traumas as well uh, come back to her in later life
0: yeah yeah, the trauma sort of stays with her throughout life marks her her life really but i, I think it's it's incredible that she she loses her identity in mm. essence so physically she's taken away from her family but also she a lot of these childhood memories are, are forgotten even her name like mm. it's epitomizing her name yeah and then she's she's given this name bakita arabic from an arabic word meaning lucky or fortunate which is you know incredibly ironic but then that becomes her her name and she's treated like brutally she's treated uh horrifically and she accounts this in in this autobiography that she has and she's passed on from slave trader to from slave owner to a slave owner three
1: times i think she gets she gets uh, passed to
0: somebody else and at some point in this time
1: she's forcibly converted to islam um, during this during this time, which may be where the name uh, Paquita comes from,
0: with it being an Arabic uh, uh, name meaning fortunate. Uh. Yeah. So she and all of this is in Sudan. So she's still in the same area, uh, and then uh, eventually she she ends up being sold to an, an Italian family, an, an Italian consul, mm. and they're living in Sudan. Uh, his name was Calixto uh, Liganini. Ooh. I don't know if I pronounce that correctly, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's. But um, he, he was a. Josephine Bakita called him, described him as a as a kind man. I mean, it's all relative because he was a he was a slave owner. He was a, compared he was to a what she bastard. had known before in the brutality. Yeah, um, and the way she's described it, she said, "This time, I really was the fortunate one." So, mm-hmm. play on her word, uh, play on her name. There, I, this time, I really was the fortunate one because the new master was a very good man and he started to to like me and I was not punished or whipped uh, so that it seemed so unreal to me being able to enjoy such peace and tranquility Mm. at that time. I mean, it's, yeah, she goes, I I think before this,
1: before this period, it sounds to me like she's in sort of a
0: sort of flight or fight. So, I mean,
1: obviously she can't fly, but it's, it strikes me that she's in sort of a heightened, um, State of awareness because she's constantly in danger and constantly worried for her safety, so she has to be hyper vigilant to her surroundings and what's going on in her immediate vicinity. And I think that in, in perhaps it's—I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but perhaps that focus uh, on—I mean, you know, when when something dangerous or something big happens, something like an explosion goes off or something, you all of your senses get directed at the threat or yeah. what the threat is where she's living in a perpetual state of threat. Mm. So I wonder whether her senses, her memories, everything get just focused on that, that one point. Of surviving, yeah. yeah. Which uh, is why survive. she forgets her
0: name, forgets her, her happy childhood. Mm. Yeah. And then the, the mm.
1: contrasting then
0: her experiences
1: previously with, uh, with the people who she was, who she was with, with, uh, this italian family uh who are named interestingly the others uh the others yeah. aren't named uh but so it's quite interesting
0: yeah. yeah that's a very interesting point she doesn't remember the names of well i don't know maybe she did remember them but she doesn't name them mm. in um in her account so this uh, well, war breaks out in sudan and then this italian family go back to italy and they um they they take josephine Bakita and and some mm. of the other slaves who they they own at this time they take them back to to Italy and it's it's there that um uh, Bikita's given roles which are more which are more caring and nurturing so she is given the responsibility of looking after the children so she becomes very well known for this later in life mm. um, I mean children absolutely love her uh, later in life they flock to her as, as she's a free woman, as a as a religious woman, um, but she serves as a nanny then during this time, and she she is much loved by by the family, and uh, during that time in Italy, then she she uh, comes across some very important people who who play an important um, role in her conversion, and the first person who introduces her really to Christianity is another worker at the estate, so he's was an estate manager and he introduced uh, Josephine Piccata to uh, to the life of Christ so told her stories of the life of Christ taught her how to how to pray and she she said that he one day gave her a, a crucifix and he she used to wear it around her neck and hide it away and she said it's the first thing I I was ever I was ever able to hide away and and it became a source of great peace that I'd look at the one who who also suffered, and uh, and find great peace that he was he was there with me in my suffering. Mm. So a beautiful, beautiful expression of that. But this man wasn't a um, this man who introduced Christianity to her. You know, he wasn't a free man himself. He was a he was a the estate manager, but he worked for worked for the family. But he wasn't a religious either. He wasn't a a priest. He wasn't a. Um, a sister and he was just a, a lay person but well not just a lay person you know a lay a lay people are so important is, is my point you know lay people are so important to hand in on the faith and you see that here with Bikita that was the first introduction to the person of Christ was through a lay person incredible huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, then she she is exposed to religious sisters so then she um she gets to know this community of religious sisters. I can't remember the name. You remember the name? Of I
1: can't remember their names either. This is going to be really awful. Can't remember the like name of the order. The, uh, did you write Kenosian it down? sisters or something? Yeah. Or I I was calling I them the Carbonara sisters for a while, and that's really awful. Um, not only because they're Italian, but it begins with a C. I think it's the Canossian sisters or so, so, something like that.
0: Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't remember off, off the top of my head. But they that. They have a, a lovely role uh, in the local area. So they they care for those who are poorly, who are sick, and they care for for children as mm. well. And she is she's she's very uh, Bikita at this time gets gets uh, to know them and is very impressed with their love of like their genuine love of children, their genuine love and care for those in need. And um and from well, what's what that's uh, sort of begins in is their love of god so this is like deeply impresses upon her and she spends a lot of time with them and as a result of that she she encounters god she becomes a a christian during that time as well which is which is very beautiful and and she has a lovely way of it of describing it in -hmm. her autobiography so she she said that through this experience she encountered god and she recognised the God that she had experienced in her heart, without knowing who it was. So, since her childhood, those childhood mm. um, sort of memories, the little patches that she did remember of her her family, um, and then throughout the hardships as as well that she experienced, she realised that the the that yeah there was a God, there was someone there with me throughout all of this. She and says this something person was. Was, was Christ, who she realizes later. Yeah. She
1: says something very similar about Mary. She ah, says that um, Mary protected me before I even knew her. Uh, ah. She says is, is one of the interesting things that she says. Um, but and it's quite interesting that she says this considering the sorts of tortures that she put up with. Like I think before, maybe it was the last person who she was with before the Italian family. They there was a woman who brought um, like like uh, a razor, a long sort of sharp razor, like the sort of ones where you're, I think it's, where, yeah, the really long ones. Mm. Um, uh, Flour and salt and things. And um, they traced like symbols over her body and then took the razor and cut really deep wounds on her flesh Mm. and then put salt, like salt in them Uh to make sure that they would permanently scar. Which is an agony, and she said she thought she was gonna die because it was just so much pain
0: yeah um, she's I think it's accounted that it's like over a hundred scars that she had at that one like just yeah. at that, that one time on that it's one crazy. occasion awful yeah and flour as well salt and flour I thought the flour was to trace the
1: tracing the oh, images okay. so then that it way they be. could stick the knife in basically awful um but yeah. it's interesting that e- even with all of these things that she's still finds gratitude and solace and she can still find peace. Um, and that, uh, yeah, that she still believes that God was with her uh, in those moments and that Mary was uh, protecting her before before uh, she knew her by name. You know, I thought that was a very interesting thing. Another interesting thing which strikes me from what you've said, mm. that not only... Is the cross probably one of the first things, actually, that she that was hers to own as, yeah. as hers? Um, and I wonder if this is one of the reasons that maybe she kept it hidden. Um, but also, it strikes me that whereas she was forcibly converted to Islam, Catholicism was something she chose. She, in her freedom, in the, the freedom of her heart, in her will, she chose Christ. She chose Christianity. She chose to be a Catholic. Mm. She wasn't forcibly converted to Catholicism. She chose it freely. Um, there was something about it that she loved, and I think that she found a certain liberty in her faith as as a Catholic.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. She uh, after she was baptized, well, she 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 takes the name Josephina at that point, um, Saint Josephina, after she's when she's baptized, but. Uh, it, it said that daily she would go to the church where she was baptized and go to the the font and um would would hug the font embrace the font mm. and and say this is the this is the point like here is where i became a daughter of god mm. you know this is where i found like my identity It's where i found my name yeah josephine it's where i found freedom um you know by that point she was she was still a slave so physically still a slave but interiorly found freedom, found this freedom in in Christ through her baptism, through her through entry into the
1: church. Him. Yeah, she found a new identity and liberty and yeah. and, and, and a name. And, and the also church also, her, also has something to do with her actually becoming uh, uh, liberated in in the end, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, I mean, in ta- like legally, the, the church oh, yeah, had, yeah, had a role yeah. to play in that. Didn't
0: it? Yeah. So she. Uh, just to say so t- on the day she was baptized so mm. she she then took that that day as her birthday and she would she would say you know, this was the day i was born i mm. was born a child of god i was born mm. into the family of god i was given a mother mary I, you know i'd lost my mother uh, that was taken away from me now i was given a mother you know so that was very uh, very important as a as a thing for her so I think it was it was something like the ninth. Oh yeah, the ninth of January was the day she was baptized, and she took that then to be her birthday because she couldn't remember, yeah, her birthday.
1: And she was given a mother that nobody could take from her. She was given a name. Yeah, God oh, the that Father. God yeah. oh, the Father. Interesting.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, you're, so you're right. So the church um, fought for her freedom. So the Italian family were going to move again. So they did move again, and they wanted to take. Josephine Bikita with them and she said she said she didn't want to go that she wanted to to stay there in 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 this place mm. and um and then that so this went to court and it was the church who helped support her through the the court system so she found it was freedom it was, was, the, was it, it was
1: system. through the same sisters wasn't it was it uh, yeah the catechumenate or something that's was it. this be, was this before she was baptized or maybe just after or something, but basically, somebody who represents the uh catechumenate, like the superior of the people who are preparing to be baptized, um, yeah, uh, complained, didn't he, to the government, and she went before the, uh, the attorney general of the king of Italy or something, yeah, um, yeah. And it was then that they said something like, Well, when she was born, even when even before she was born, England had outlawed slavery in uh. Italy, slave slavery had never had; it had never been legal to own slaves uh, uh. because it it was, yeah, it was a sort of, um, yeah, it had just never been in the law uh, that it was something you could do. So basically, he just sort of said, "Well, legally, we don't actually recognise slavery." Um, the place where you were when there were when there was English rule and things in in Africa. Um, in parts of Africa, um, that yeah, that slavery had also been abolished there oh, at the right. time that she was born. So then the eternal, the attorney general in the court basically ruled that she was in fact not legally a slave. So oh, she right. was legally, she was legally already a free person. Um, so yeah, I mean it's interesting, really. Yeah, isn't
0: it? but the church played a role in supporting. Yeah. That. Well I mean, that was why it went to court. Sisters. it went
1: to court because yeah uh, somebody who was involved in the catechumen there preparing people to be baptized um fought for it basically to go to court, and it did thank god, yeah, and um yeah, to
0: court and she was free. said well, yeah, she's free and um th- so for the rest of her life then she stayed with the sisters, she became a religious sister herself she became a nun, mm. and she stayed there for the rest of her of her life and um, she and she was a part of the, the work of the sisters and cared for, for the children. And it said that they, they deeply loved her. Um, and she always had this joyful disposition, um, this joyful character, this mm-hmm. welcoming spirit. She was, she was also part of the welcome for any visitors that would come to, come to stay with the sisters. She would greet them. She would mm-hmm. welcome them. And, and this is why if you, if you see images of her, she's often depicted with a sunflower. Because oh, I its, didn't know that. Yeah, cheerful oh. disposition. Interesting. Yeah, and she also has there's lovely images of her where, um, well, it's it, it's it's lovely because <laughs> she she's depicted as having chains around her around her um her arms, but they're dissolving, so mm. you see them like fading away, and she's uh, she's often looking at at a cross. So as she looks at Christ, these chains. Um, fade away interesting yeah so very beautiful depiction of
1: it I think she also has a um,
0: uh,
1: she has a sort of freedom whereby she also forgives people an incredible the incredible debt that they owe to her essentially you know yeah. she speaks about if she were ever to meet the people who had enslaved her, that she would kiss their hands because it was because of what they had done, the evil that they had perpetrated, that actually she she found her way to Christ. It's uh, not quite writing straight with crooked lines. It's more a, um, a remarkable gesture of forgiveness um, and a recognition that... In all of these things, God's purpose for her to be united to him still could not be frustrated even by their great evil
0: yeah uh, it's remarkable as you said uh, um well, it's certain gratitude isn't it it's it's a gratitude uh, for that in in a way but the the, the thing that um the thing that i I take from that as well is that it in forgiveness is found freedom mm you know, she's she's able to to forgive them and be able to be freed from that. And yeah. as a result of that, is then able to heal yeah. over time. You know, and these these are I mean, if brutal, anybody traumatic. had a reason to
1: be resentful of life, of God, yeah. of uh, her fellow human beings, it would be Saint Josephine Baker. You know, a hundred and whatever it was scars, hundred and fourteen scars or something over her body, yeah. with salt being rubbed into her run- wounds, being traded. You know, three times by arabic uh, traders and people you know
0: yeah different slave owners. just
1: it, yeah. if, if if anyone had a reason to bear it to 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 bear resentment to their neighbor to their fellow human being to god it would be her but she was remarkably free um even in spite of, of all of the things that she had endured and the psychological torments that she endured, she was in mind and heart free. And she, I think part of that freedom, you're right, comes from her ability to forgive. And it's not, it's not saying that these things were justified in in any Mm. way that how she was treated was, was in any way justifiable. Um, and i that actually i think shows that she herself also had power there the power to forgive is a very real power
0: i think i think it's to say it's not easy mm-hmm. like I, uh, it, she didn't find this easy she she was still marked by the trauma of this you know nightmares at at night certainly when yeah. she was even when she was dying by that by that point, late in her life, she still mm. had flashbacks to to the these horrible experiences. But it's it's the, I the, the the point is that in choosing forgiveness, she was able to have certain power over these experiences, which in essence she didn't have power over physically, mm. but she was able to take power over them and was able to also find freedom in them. Yeah. Freedom, you know, freedom from being a prisoner to yeah. the things that we can't control. Um, and a certain amount of peace, you know, because mm. she herself speaks about peace
1: at the same time as yeah. having these flashbacks that, uh, that well, now we might even diagnose with something like post-traumatic stress disorder, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, even with all of these experiences, she still feels at peace, you know. Uh, and grateful for the life that she now has with the sisters.
0: Yeah, and so, so then after she she converts and and becomes a nun, this this great story of of her life, this amazing story, is um, is put down in writing. Um, so it's, it's almost out out of obedience. So she didn't want to. She didn't want to tell people like she mm-hmm. didn't want this to be a a wide. A widely known story, but um, the other sisters saw the amazing thing that God was doing in her in her life, and um, out of obedience, then so she agreed to tell this story, and she so it was written down and it was it was published, and as a result of that, she would go around the country, travel quite far around Italy, telling this story, and even when she she got poorly, she ended up in a wheelchair. She had bad health as a result of. Of her um, being being in slavery yeah. and all these horrible experiences, she um, she then, even in a wheelchair, travelled to t- share this story, and there are multiple accounts of people who heard this story and were brought to conversion themselves because of this mm-hmm. amazing amazing um, history that she had. So then she she gets she gets very um, very frail and and she dies, and the last words of her. uh uh, the last words that she says from her lips are madonna madonna isn't that Mm. beautiful the last words that she says uh, madonna madonna yeah embracing the the mother who she chose you know who was given to her couldn't be taken away and um so we're going to wrap up the the episode there but just to say that that there are huge there are huge amounts of resources which are available so we're gonna Mm. we're gonna put some of them in the in the uh, description um for the episode so you can hear the the bell ringing if you can hear here the bell i've it. gotta run that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we're gonna wrap up the episode there but please have a look at those um have a look at those notes because they're really useful and until next time we'll be back with another episode god bless you god bless